Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I chat with Melissa Leeser. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. All right, so a little background on Melissa. She is a multi-passionate working mom of two. By day, she works in the B2B marketing to pay the bills, but her heart is in helping busy families make dinners stress-free through real food meal planning. She lives her hippie life by making her own personal care items, brewing kombucha, and and composting, but she'll never turn down a fresh donut or iced coffee. So I think that really um, sums up Melissa because we chatted about quite a bit of that um, in today's interview. And um, along with that, we also talked towards the end, which I did not plan on bringing up, but it just kind of happened organically, you know, as my dad and my brothers are farmers and her husband's family are dairy farmers. So we had a great discussion um, about marketing and the meat industry and um, just some kind of eye-opening things, I guess, if you don't have farmers in your lives, um, to hear some, I guess, real talk about some of those industries. And uh, from this, I decided I probably should do a solo show about some of the things that I know from the farming industry um, about GMOs and all of that stuff. And I guess I've been kind of hesitant to throw my, I guess I would say my name in that hat, but I do feel like I have some education around these topics. So I might want to speak about this in the future. So we kind of briefly got into, um, I guess, what it's all about on today's interview. But a lot of today's interview really is about just that natural and healthy and what does that all mean? And sometimes the marketing around it might not be what it's um, made out to be. And so what to kind of look for and how to make your own, you know, maybe you're looking to make your own deodorant or what brands to trust and um, how those brands might evolve or might change as well and what to look for. So that's kind of, um, in a nutshell, what we chatted about. It's super helpful, I think, if anyone, especially if you're a parent and you're looking to up your natural living and your holistic living um, for your family. So this is a great interview to tune into. Um, Or if you're thinking about having children in the future, this is also another great one because we talk basically from baby-led weaning all the way up to adults, um, snacking, meal planning, um, and what what baby led weaning is. So in case you're not sure what that is, we chat about that as well. So without further ado, uh, here is today's interview with Melissa. Welcome to the Peaceful Power podcast. I have today with me, Melissa Leeser, and I am super excited to chat kind of everything natural living. Um, We're going to talk about nutrition for the family. So I am excited to chat more and learn a little bit more about these topics with you today, uh, Melissa. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I love talking about this stuff. So um, let's fire away with your questions. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you kind of got interested into natural living. Sure. Um, so I would say it probably started in about 2011 or 2012. Um, my husband and I, you know, we were just mid-20s people. We were eating our frozen meals at lunches and our diet coke and 100 calorie packs just living our life and we um you know we were thinking about starting a family soon so i had just started doing a lot of research and reading a lot of blogs and websites and i came across um one called 100 days of real food hmm. and even till even to this day it's still a great resource but um you know i just started reading about chemicals in our food um preservatives dyes and just really started to kind of question everything that I had known up until that point and what we were eating. 
And we just sort of started making slow changes. Um, you know, we started making our own pizza crust instead of buying it or, um, you know, not eating a lean cuisine at lunch, but bringing a salad and leftovers. Um, so just kind of started there and have been gradually been making changes since then. Um, it's, it's always a continuous process um, for us. But, you know, then I did get pregnant. I've had two kids since then. Um, and it's just sort of part of our life now, you know, re eating real whole foods is really important to us, making sure that our kids um, understand that, you know, some food treats our body better than others um, and just sort of exploring all the different types of foods that there are in the world that are delicious and nutritious. Mm, yes. So side <laughs> note, how do you do homemade pizza crust? Well, um, I'll, that's actually my husband's court, but basically it's just flour, water, and yeast for the most part. And then um, you put in, you know, some like Italian seasonings if you want to, but um, we have the KitchenAid mixer. So we just make oh, usually about yeah. six, um, six balls of dough at a time and then keep them in our freezer. So it's super easy to pull one out and um, thaw it out for a homemade pizza. Oh, I need to start doing that because I like to do pizzas every Friday night and it's easy, but I yep. also prefer, I would rather make my own if, it, I mean, especially if it's that easy. Like I have one of those KitchenAid mixers as well, which I've never thought. To yeah. Yeah. I mean, it probably takes like 15 minutes of actual work, but you do have to like let the yeast sit in water for a little bit and let the dough rise and stuff. But I mean, of actual work, it's maybe 15 minutes. So he'll usually do it on a Saturday or Sunday while we're at home and um, knock out six, you know, six weeks worth of pizza, basically. Yeah, no, that's really good. That's like those little prep things, you know, can make all the difference rather than, you know, oh, I'm going to have to order pizza tonight. Yeah, or having to make the dough every time. That would be a huge pain. <laughs> that would also be. <laughs> so yeah, I want to kind yeah. of venture through, um, you know, healthy eating and how you get started. Because I know you also... Um, you know, I personally did this with my son as baby led weaning, but I know I have a lot of clients mm -hmm. who are like, okay, what exactly is that? Um, how do you do it? And, you know, what are some of those kind of need to knows for new moms? Yeah. So I think, I think some people get scared of it because they envision their six month old, you know, holding a big chicken wing and like choking on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think choking is the biggest fear yes. that makes people not do baby led weaning. Um, but, you know, babies can actually do a lot more than we give them credit for when it comes to feeding themselves. Um, so basically what, what I recommend people do, and I'll just, you know, tell everyone I'm not a baby nutritionist or a doctor or anything like that. So this is just my own experience, but um, just trying it is the, is the way to get started. Um, you know, we started with like avocado, bananas, um, sweet potato wedges that were super um, cooked. So they were really soft. I mean, things that they literally could not choke on because it would just slide down their throat, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but it really just helps babies under, start to understand textures and tastes. I mean, they usually get more on their hands and their face and their hair than they get in their mouth when they're six months old, but that's totally okay. It's really just an exploration phase, and it's a really great way to start your baby on real food from the start. So, um, you know, for our kids personally, we actually never did cereal with either of our girls, so we didn't do any of the rice cereal or oat cereal. Um, you know, we just started with the real food. And to this day, they're both excellent eaters. I can't, you know, I can't guarantee that it was because of baby led weaning. But I like to think that because we gave them a really wide variety of foods 
from the start that they're um, willing to try new things easier. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say that it's not all or nothing either. You don't have to do 100% baby led weaning, weaning once you get started. We did a, a combination of both. Sometimes purees are just easier or you know, if you're worried about them getting the nutrition, maybe you do want to give them um, a spoon-fed puree of sweet potatoes and cinnamon or, or something like that. Um, so it doesn't have to be all or nothing either. And I think that might make some people feel a little better too, because I know there are some die-hard baby-led weaning people out there who never let their child have puree touch their lips, but it doesn't have to be like that. You can do what you're comfortable with and as they get older, you know, you'll gradually feel more comfortable giving them those real foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from my experience too, cause I was kind of the same. I started my son off with avocado, sweet potatoes. Um, I didn't do bananas. So I don't know why. I just, I don't know if I, I personally don't <laughs> eat them. So I'm pretty sure I just eat a lot of them. It's one of those things. <laughs> And sure. <laughs> I had a, a client, mostly I did it because I had a client whose son was um, about six months older than my son. And so she was just introducing solids to him at a year because the doctor didn't recommend it any earlier. And she's like, I didn't really mm. research or have the time to do it. So she's like, now I'm going through all the same stuff I would have went through if I would have done baby led weaning because he's kind of choking and doesn't know how to chew because She's like, I don't know why magically we think they should know it a year, but how would they know if they've never done it before? Yeah. Well, and, I, and going back to the choking thing, a lot of times people say choking when they're really just gagging. Yes. Um, you know, babies have a very strong gag reflex. So it's pretty uncommon that they are actually going to the choke on something. But I think anytime a kid gags, we, we kind of just default to saying they were choking on it yeah. <laughs> when there, there is a very real difference between those. But um, yeah, it's a learned, you know, it's a learned process to eat, eat whole foods. So they're bound to have to figure it out with a lot of playing around and testing. So um I mean, it's messy, but it's a fun experience too. Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. It's messy. And my mom, when my mom watched him when he was probably eight months old, I think he was. And she was like, oh my goodness. She's like, he is just needs a bath after every meal. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm like, but I, I, I know self and he learned. So, you know, she was impressed with that, that she's like, I'm not spoon feeding him. You know, he's doing it. It's just a little messy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. You got to give him like a wet rag bath after every meal. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now like moving on from babies up to that toddler stage. So this is kind of where my son is at mm -hmm. right now. How do you yep. keep them? Cause they start getting picky now. How do you get them to kind of yep. continue to eat veggies and like healthy snacks? Yeah. I mean, I think consistency is huge just because they don't eat broccoli tonight doesn't mean they won't eat broccoli next week again. You know how toddlers are like one day it's good. The next day it's bad. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, being consistent and just continually actually offering it to them, even if they don't eat it, um, I think is a, is a good way to just kind of show them that, you know, vegetables are always going to be here. So even, you know, maybe eventually they'll decide that that piece of broccoli is okay. Um, I think I heard somewhere that, um, sometimes it can take up to like 10 tries for someone to realize that they like something or not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if your two-year-old turns their nose up at Brussels sprouts, just keep, you know, bringing them to the table, show how delicious they are. Cause you keep eating them and comment like, Ooh, these are so good. You should really try <laughs> some. And you know, even if they don't, that's okay. But just kind of showing them that Brussels sprouts are yummy. They're really good for you. Um, is just one way to kind of keep instilling in their heads that 
this is something that maybe I want to try. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I'm really fond of is giving them a choice in something. So um, let's say you have carrots in the fridge, you have um, green beans and you have broccoli. Maybe ask your three-year-old what vegetable they want to eat tonight. So then whatever they pick is the one that you prepare instead of parents always just making something and putting it in front of them without um, having them involved at all. Mm. Um, My kid, my three-year-old especially loves to have a choice in what she's eating. So, you know, we'll often let her pick the vegetable or uh, maybe she can pick if we're having chicken stir fry or pork stir fry or something like that, just to give them the option to make them feel like they have a choice in what they're eating um, seems to be helpful for us. Um, And then the other thing is um, we really only keep in the house what we're comfortable with them eating. So when it comes to snacks, you know, I don't really keep a lot of extra stuff in the house that I don't want them to eat. So I don't really have chips or, you know, sugary cookies or anything like that. So when it comes to snack time, whatever they pick, I know I'm comfortable with already and don't have to have the fight of, no, you can't have uh, animal crackers. I want you to have hummus and carrots because we just don't have animal crackers in the house. Um, So I just know that whatever they pick, you know, I brought into the house because I'm okay with whatever's in it and they can still have the choice. Um, even though I picked it, I picked all the food out that's in the house. (laughs) No, I love that. That's a great idea. Especially I could see as my son, even like he's, you know, 16 months old right now, but like he knows what he wants. Like if I give him choices, like he will point to what he prefers. And, you know, it's kind of funny that I just started noticing he was kind of doing it these last few weeks, you know, for like snacks, I'll kind of have stuff in the cupboard. And if he's in my arms, he'll point to like what he wants to eat. So I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think sometimes we don't even think to give that young of an age here, make a choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's crazy how young they'll start wanting to have an opinion in what they're eating, what they're wearing, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're, they get pretty strong willed pretty quickly. Yeah. And as long as you have stuff in the house, as you were saying that you prefer and that you don't care, I don't care which choice you make. They're all healthy. You know, that's a great way to go. Yeah. I mean, it's a little sneaky, but they don't know any better. <laughs> I would say not that age. Thing. <laughs> I mean, at that age, it's like a snack is a snack and they want yes. a snack every hour. So yes. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I know my son's been crawling. My husband will bring home extra buns from his work. Cause I don't, I usually don't buy buns or bread like at all. Yeah. And yeah. We were sitting on our kitchen table. <laughs> my son crawled up onto the kitchen table and grabbed a bun. And that's what he was snacking on. I'm like, in the world like how do you even know what this is I'm like oh my gosh yeah now that's all that's actually yeah that's funny because um we usually we'll keep um like those 100 calorie flat buns like in our freezer from we have hamburgers and stuff and my kids don't want the meat on the buns they just want the bun on the side (laughs) so like if we're having hot dogs or hamburgers they just want half of a bun on the side and they eat it like bread (laughs) yep that's exactly what my son apparently was into because I was like how do you even know what this is I know. I'm like, okay, whatever. Eventually you realize how much better a burger is with a bun. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So now like moving up to like school age kids, um, what do you do there with, you know, now obviously they have a little bit more choice and they're going to school and Mm -hmm. they might be influenced by what their peers are doing. How can we kind of make healthy decisions? Yeah. And that's a tricky one. Um, You know, I don't have school age kids yet, but what comes to mind for me is just, I mean, I feel like if you had started the real whole food um, 
at home early on, hopefully at that point they would kind of understand that certain options are going to be better for our bodies than others. They're going to give us more energy. They're going to make us strong. They're going to make our brains better um, as opposed to maybe like a Twinkie, which really isn't going to, you know, help us out at all. It's just going to fulfill a quick um, sugar hit for us. Um, so I think just talking about that stuff consistently will be helpful, um, you know, as they grow up and maybe once they get to a certain age and they do have that, they have choices where you maybe aren't there, um, they would make the better choice. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my philosophy is that you really can't control everything they put put in their mouths when they're not at home. Um, you know, and that comes into play for me, like with daycare, um, or if we're at a birthday party, um, you know, or any type of activity where we're not at home and I'm not preparing the food, I've just sort of had to come to the agreement with myself that I can't control everything they're going to put in their mouth. And eventually they are going to be making their own choices on what they eat. And so I just have to be comfortable in knowing that I'm doing as best as I can at home to instill these um, ideas about healthy food in them. And I'm giving them the most nourishing food that I can when we're at home so that if they go to a birthday party and have a cupcake, it's not going to be the biggest detriment to them mm -hmm. because I'm doing everything that I can at home to make sure that they're staying healthy. Um, and then I think again, just for the school age kids, when it comes to maybe packing a lunch or packing snacks for softball practice, um, you know, just have options around that you're okay with. And so if they're digging in the cupboards and are hungry every five minutes, like teenagers are, you just can feel good knowing that whatever's in the cupboard, you know, you're okay with them eating. Yeah. And I like, I heard this on, um, I think another podcast and they were talking about, um, you know, with kids with like birthday parties and one of the moms had said, you know, she's like, I strive to teach them, you know, the healthy stuff at home, but obviously she's like, I'm not going to control them when they're at a birthday party and the only options are Domino's pizza and cake. Um, and she's right. like, basically after we get home and sometimes they complain about having a stomach ache and then maybe we go back and do the same thing the following week. I asked them before they indulge in that. Do you remember how you felt last week? Do you want to feel like that okay. again? you know, there could be other choices that you can make. And rather than, you know, telling them, no, don't eat that. Just reminding them, Hey, this is what happened. It's your choice. And kind of go from there. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Um, because I think we all know that there are foods that just make us feel like crap, but we keep going back to them over and over for some reason. Oh yeah. Um, we do as adults as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, that's donuts. I just, I'm obsessed with donuts and I pretty much have one every week, even though I know it's not really doing much for me, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's a great idea is just talking more about how food makes us feel. Um, and one thing I heard on another podcast that actually has kind of resonated with me is you know, growing up, every time we would have like a big family dinner or, you know, we're all together for holidays, everyone's always like, oh, I'm so full. I need a nap. Or, you know, they're just talking about how much they ate and like how that has resulted in them like needing a nap or having to unbutton their pants. And you never hear someone saying like, wow, I feel just satisfied at a perfect level after that meal. Or I just feel great because I had a big salad and some delicious chicken thighs you know like you never hear people talking about how good they feel after a meal um it's always about how much they ate or how full they are so I thought that was a really great point too is just making it a point to talk more about when you feel good after eating than the opposite where you you know don't feel so great and you're having some negative effects from eating too much or eating the wrong thing mm, yeah no that's a really good point because I don't 
I don't often hear that either. Or I don't think to say, oh my gosh, I feel amazing after having my lunch. But, you know, it makes yeah. sense because we should tell people, that was great. I feel good. I don't need a nap. I'm ready to go run or whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So I think, you know, if kids are exposed to that, you know, from a young age, that maybe that will help them think about that a little bit more. And, and after they have had a couple pieces of cake at a birthday party, they realize, oh yeah, that wasn't such a great idea. Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, kind of running off with our, or finishing up with kind of our snacks and meals, what about adults? So I know like a lot of my clients are on the go constantly, um, you know, in between mm -hmm. meal or in between meetings, um, you know, at work, they sometimes can't eat lunch. And so then they're really hungry and just looking for something to eat. What are some healthy mm -hmm. snacks for adults? Yeah, I, you know, I had kind of my laundry list of snacks and these probably aren't going to be groundbreaking for a lot of people, <laughs> but um, I, I will say like one of my favorite snacks is olives from the olive bar at Byerly's. Um, or, I mean, I'm sure other grocery stores have them too. I just work by a Byerly's, but they have like a huge um, row of delicious olives and all sorts of different like blue cheese stuff, jalapeno stuff, different seasonings. Um, that's actually one of my favorite snacks that I like to go pick up a couple times a week. And you can get, you know, a, a generous size of olives for a couple bucks. So it's kind of a fun treat to get um, if you have time to stop at the store. But otherwise, um, I always keep nuts and dried apricots like in my little desk at work just because I know sometimes I just need something at 3 or 3.30 to get me through until dinner. Um, so I usually do like uh, lightly salted almonds. Um, the dried apricots, like I said, are, are some of my favorite dried fruit. Um, also like deli meat is a great snack for me. You just roll it up into like a kind of like a tube and sometimes I'll put like mustard on it or um, hummus and that's kind of a good protein to fill me up a little bit if I need something between meals um veggies and hummus is a favorite for me and I usually pack a snack when I'm packing my lunch for work so um these are you know these might be snacks that you have to plan ahead a little bit but you know like hummus you have to put in a little container and have some veggies on hand um but like a cheese stick and apple is something super easy you can throw in your bag hard-boiled eggs are great um I usually boil like eight to 10 eggs every week and have them for breakfast or snacks or chop it up in a salad. It's just a super convenient, um, quick protein. Um, so those are some of my favorites. I also really like plantain chips from Trader Joe's, but those probably aren't the healthiest. <laughs> yes. I've had those are, those are a special treat. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, but those are all good ideas. And some of those I actually I haven't like I never even thought to have like olives or even like the deli meat and roll that up, you know, and put whatever on it. So I'm, those are good ideas too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, you know, sometimes if I need something a little more substantial, I'll do like a Lara bar. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't have any like the added sugar in it. Um, and I also love nut butter. So a lot of times I'll bring a banana with peanut butter or apple peanut butter because that's a really filling snack. So mm -hmm. if I'm not going to be eating dinner for a while, that's a good way to keep me full until I will eat. Yeah, that's a good idea. Especially if people have to skip lunch. That's another great like, hey, fill up on some nut butter. Yeah. Yeah. And actually like um, one of my favorite almost meals is what I call a snack plate. So that's where I would just put like deli meat, olives, a couple of nuts, a hard boiled egg, and maybe some veggies and hummus like put on a plate and eat it as a meal. So it's almost like all of those snacks in yeah. one little plate for a meal, but you're just getting a lot of variety, which is fun to have sometimes. It's, 
you know, you're getting a little bit taste of a bunch of different things. And um, it can be really filling with some of those healthy fats with the nuts and the olives. Um, and then the meat and the eggs are good protein. So no, it's a good a- way to get like a balance. Yeah, like a balanced meal, but you're having a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like that. Because sometimes you don't always like it sometimes, you know, mate, for whatever reason, you're not super hungry, but like having a little snack thing like that, and that can be your lunch. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm going to change it up. (laughs) Oh yeah. So now I want to talk kind of about meal ideas. Um, So Mm -hmm. I know, you know, a lot of us, like I was sharing with you, one of the commercials that I had seen, um, you know, before we were recording about, you know, just kind of the on the go family. And it was like a little Debbie commercial for basically their processed muffins and their processed (laughs) foods that they're coming out with to enjoy at every meal. And I'm like, wow, we need to really start thinking about, okay, you know, we are, I don't know if we're ever going to slow down. Our lifestyles are busy. You know, people have a lot Mm -hmm. going on. So instead of reaching for, you know, those quick muffins in the morning and, um, or pop tarts, like I used to have pop tarts when I was growing up, like that was something I was an easy grab go. I'd put it, put in the toaster and I'm out. And, um, you know, like what can we do that are a little bit healthier than some of those easy fixes, you know, the microwavable meals. I don't even own a microwave myself. Um, you know, cause well, A, I just, I'm not a fan of microwaves. So I usually reheat everything on the stove or, you know, cause my friends mm-hmm. are always like, what do you do? I'm like, you use your oven, like you use your stove <laughs> and it works just as fine. I find it tastes better even rehe- reheating stuff via your stove. Um, and my husband yeah. is used to it now too. But, you know, to kind of, and also helps me because I'm like, I'm not tempted to buy any of the microwavable stuff just because putting that in the oven, that just doesn't sound like fun. So what are some <laughs> things that we can do to, to kind of combat this kind of fast food, convenience foods? Yeah. So I'm just going to plug meal planning 100% here mm-hmm. because that is what's going to save you on those nights where you have 20 minutes or even less sometimes. Um, by planning your meals ahead, you're going to know what nights of the week you're busy and need to have something quick ready to go for when you get home from work and then have to jet off to softball practice. Um, so what I do is I actually just look through my Google calendar, you know, every week when I'm planning my meals and, you know, if I know that I'm going to be gone one night, my husband's going to need an easy meal that night for the kids and himself. Um, if my husband has friends over one night, I know I'm going to be on the hook for dinner. So I need to plan something easy um, so that I can sort of watch the kids and get dinner ready. So planning is going to save you. Um, And then meal, not even meal prepping, but I say food prepping is huge as well. And that's what I, what I see, see the difference in that is meal meal prepping is maybe you're making uh, an entire meal and keeping it in the fridge until you're ready to cook it. So you're marinating chicken, you chopped up your veggies, and you maybe pre-cooked your quinoa or something like that. So that's a great idea if if that's something you're interested in. But when I say food prepping, I'm more talking about just individual items that you can then throw together for a meal. So for me, that means I hard boil eggs, I cook a batch of turkey burgers, I might roast some vegetables. Um, We um, we often do big, huge pork shoulders and then put them into like one-pound packets. So um, if we're having pork tacos, we just pull one of those out. 
So just kind of prepping individual food items. So then throughout the week, if you are in a pinch, you can grab something super quick and make it into a meal. So that is my number one tip for saving people on those nights where you really don't have time to be, you know, cooking over the stove for 35 to 45 minutes. Um, but then in terms of quick meal ideas, um, you know, if you have 20 minutes, you can easily make pasta with meat sauce or zoodles with meat sauce, which is like one of our favorite meals, even if we're not in a hurry. Um, another one that we really like that's not perfect, but it's better than going through the drive-through is um, Trader Joe's has some really good coconut shrimp in the frozen section. And then we just make it with quinoa and a roasted vegetable. And that's 20 minute meal on the table done. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have 30 minutes, you could easily do like a skillet meal. One thing I like to do is called Mexican skillet. So I throw in beans, corn, diced tomatoes, rice, and um, whatever protein, you know, often we'll do pork or ground beef, throw in some taco seasoning, and you have a, a super huge meal that's going to give you leftovers for the following days, which is a huge time saver. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, nutritious, it's filling, it's easy. Um, my family loves skillet meals. I do like an Italian one too with um, like quinoa pasta, diced tomatoes, peppers, onions, um, and like a tomato sauce base um, or a stir fry is super easy too on a, on the, uh, for a meal where you don't have a lot of time. Mm, yeah, those are great. So I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just kind of having those standbys where you know, you don't have to look at a recipe, you don't have to really prep a lot in advance. Um, you just kind of know what you need, you can throw it together really quickly and get it on the table, even if you do have, you know, to get to practice or you have swimming lessons or you have an, another event to get to, um, kind of having those go-tos is really important too. Um, and we rotate through, through those quickly or we rotate through them frequently because we don't have to look at a recipe. We know we have everything in the fridge 99% of the time to make those meals. Um, so it just makes it super easy for whoever's making dinner at our house. Mm, yeah, that's great. That's where I kind of did the same thing. I wrote only, I actually wrote them down on a piece of paper because I will forget what my go-to meals can be at times. Mm -hmm. It was like right mm -hmm. after I had my son because then you're really forgetful. And I posted that on my fridge and my mother-in-law was like, what is that? I'm like, those are kind of my go-to in a pinch meals. And she was like, that's just brilliant. So that way, in case you do have scatterbrain or you're, you know, like sometimes we get in that just like, I'm in such a hurry that you forget like, oh yeah, stir fry. That's really easy to make. I have all of the ingredients on hand whip that together. So that's another tip too, mm -hmm. who might be forgetful like myself. Yeah. And the other thing that we do is we kind of have our pantry staples that I call them. So we always have like quinoa pasta. We always have a jar of pasta sauce. If we don't have any homemade, we always have like coconut milk, you know, soy sauce, anything to throw together a quick meal that, um, we don't have to remember to buy ingredients for every week. Um, you know, just, it's just great to have those non-perishables so that if you are in a pinch or your plans change and you thought you were going to be going out to eat this night, but now you're not, you still have something that you could make at home that's healthy and better than going through the drive-thru. Yes. Uh, so I know you also have a five-day course around this. Like, can you tell us a little bit more about that yes. in case anyone's interested? Yeah. Um, so I put together a, a free five-day email course that basically walks through my meal planning process. Um, it goes through, you know, looking through your calendar to see what nights you have stuff going on. It goes through, um, you know, finding meals that match your schedule. Because I think the biggest point of failure for people is that 
you know, they work all day and they really want to try this new risotto recipe. But by the time they get home, get the kids in the bath, it's already six o'clock and they realize they don't have enough time to make it. So then they're like, well, screw it. Let's just go get pizza. Um, so by kind of planning out your recipes based on what you have going on that week, that's going to set you up for a lot more success. Um, I also go through making your grocery list. And then I really um, encourage people to only grocery shop one time a week, not only because it's going to save you time and money, but it's also going to prevent you from making those impulse purchases every time you go to the mm -hmm. store. And you're just going to have everything in your kitchen at the start of the week that you need to make all of your meals. So it's just going to take a lot less thinking. It's going to take way less time dragging your two kids to the grocery store because you forgot X, Y, and Z for dinner that night. Um, and in the long run, it's going to save you money because you're not going to the store so many times and, you know, oh, I'll just grab this and this and I'll, I need that treat. Um, so overall, it's um, my preferred way of shopping because it's just easier to go one time a week than have to worry about multiple trips to the store every week. So basically, the course goes through all of those steps in five days. and Really, the goal is that after that, you could start um, meal planning for yourself if you're not already. And if it's not every night a week, that's okay. If maybe it's two nights, two meals a week that you, you know, get on top of, plan, and shop for. But, you know, you're going to start realizing that as you do that, you're going to probably get hooked on it because it is a huge time saver. It's way more convenient. And um, it's just easier when you have a family to shop once a week. and plan your meals in advance. Yes. I, I know I some of those nights are the same with me. If I'm like, if I have to put my son in the car, especially cause we're in Minnesota, it's cold, like on snowy nights. Yeah. You're like, I'm not going to do it. What do I have on hand? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you have those pantry staples, that's totally yes. fine. You can, you can throw something together, but um, you know, if you're not really set up for that, that can be a huge pain. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I usually always try to have some staples because I grew up on a farm that was like, we had to drive um, half an hour to the nearest grocery store, but usually an hour to like the good grocery store. So I was yeah. used to like having stuff on hand. So I'm kind of, you know, I have that, you know, country girl in me that I don't even think that we can order. I mean, delivery, like that doesn't even cross my mind that we can have stuff delivered to our house just because <laughs> in the country you don't do that. So like my husband's like, why don't yeah. we order it? I was like, Oh, that, I mean, I suppose we could, but what? I don't know. <laughs> I know I do. I do occasionally use Instacart if we're busy, like this weekend, we haven't had time to go shopping yet. And so I'll probably use Instacart this week and it is super handy, but I'm kind of a nerd and I actually really like going to the grocery store with my list and like crossing it off and like looking for the deals and using my cartwheel app. And so, yeah, it, it like sucks a little bit out of me to have to use Instacart sometimes. <laughs> I know. I don't even think of that. I was like, oh, I forgot. I probably could do that too. Man, I see all these things that I just don't even cross my mind that I don't live like an hour away from things. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I well, actually, I don't even think. Well, continue. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, I don't think Instacart is even um, everywhere in the Twin Cities yet. So it might only be in certain areas, but I know there are other stores that do it too, like Colborne's. And um, I think there's, I mean, I know like hy V. you can just pick up your groceries after you order them online. So someone would get them all for you and like bag them and then you just pick them up. So there are a lot of um, time-saving grocery things around the Twin Cities for sure. 
Ooh, wow. I'm going to have to look into some of those. I like that. Yeah. And with Amazon and Whole Foods now, who knows what that's going to look like. So other new things coming in the future, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You'll get a, you can get organic broccoli within an hour now. Yeah. <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> oh, so, um, I kind of want to switch gears completely because I know besides food and like that, you know, whole aspect of what you're interested in, you also are interested in kind of the body care industry. And, um, this is something that I've recently discovered, you know, probably within the last three, four years. And I've, really switched gears and looked and paid attention to what's in the products I'm putting on my skin. So mm -hmm. why do you, or what do you tell people when they're first kind of getting into this or interested in it? You know, why should we be caring? Well, I think, you know, I think lately really the whole foods, clean eating type of diet, I'm calling it a diet. It's not really a diet, you know, it's just a way of eating. Um, you know, it has become really popular. It's becoming more mainstream that People don't want chemicals in their food. They don't want dyes. They don't want this stuff they can't pronounce. But a lot of people don't turn around and look at what they're putting on their body. They're really just focusing on what's in their body. And um, when I was um, having my kids, especially my first one, I was kind of researching um, cloth diapers. And I just started learning about all of these chemicals and scents and dyes that are in products that we put on our skin and I just was like well I don't want to put that on my baby's skin like why do they need to have why do they need to have perfume in butt cream you know it's like it's going on their butt it doesn't need to smell good <laughs> um and so really what it, it just opened my eyes that chemicals are literally in everything that we consume whether that's eating or putting on our skin or on our body on our hair um and so doing more research I've realized that um there's chemicals in everything and natural and organic necessarily does not mean clean mm -hmm. or good for you, which is kind of the scary thing because I think if someone sees the word natural on a product, they assume that it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not necessarily the case. So you really have to do your homework um, if you're concerned about what you're putting on your skin and, and ingesting. So really uh, what I, try to tell people, you know, what you put on your skin is just as important as what you put in your body and to really um, do your research on what, what you're using on your kids and yourself and how that could impact um, your body, your mind, your skin, um, because it's not, it's not just surface level um, ingredients that we're talking about. It's not just you know, people think lotion and they're like, oh, well, it's just like, I'm just rubbing it on my skin. And what's wrong about that? But I think I read something that if something is scented, the smell is with ev within every organ of your body in like less than a second. Oh my gosh. Um, and those scents, those scents aren't necessarily good for you um, because perfume generally means it's hundreds of chemicals put together to make that scent. Um, so it's kind of scary that, that it's not really regulated as highly as some of the other things in our lives. I know that was something that I, um, one of the yoga teachers that I met, she was the one who first kind of introduced that because she has her own kind of body care line that she hand makes. And she was the one who was started teaching about this. And I was like, wow, I just feel like, how does, how does this happen for so many years that like, you know, we didn't even think that this could be toxic or bad for us. You know, like how did it kind of just slip by mainstream media for so long? I think that it's, 
you know, becoming, people are becoming more aware, especially with deodorants, you know, trying to find mm-hmm. some different alternatives, um, like lotions in particular too. I know I, as soon as I, you know, talked to her, I was like, I loved doing lotions before. Like I'd always put lotion on, you know, just again, because Minnesota, it gets really dry in the winter. I would always put lotion on in the winters. So now I've switched to, um, an essential oil that she makes. Well, it's a blend. So it's not quite as strong. Cause again, there's a whole, we won't go down that rabbit hole with essential oils. You gotta be careful about <laughs> yes. all of yes. that, but it's like a yeah. blended kind that she sells. And, um, you know, I just had no idea of all of these little things. And I think so many people, um, also either don't know or haven't done enough research to really know how bad some of these chemicals are. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, if it's on the shelf at the store, you wouldn't think that there would be anything wrong with it because why would they sell it if it could could harm you? But that's just not the case um, these days. And so you really do have to kind of know what you're looking for um, or just make your own stuff, which is super easy. Um, But I know not everyone wants to go down that uh, path either. Yeah. So I know that you, what do you make? So what are some easy things if we do want to make our own things? Like what are some easy products that we could make at home? Yeah. So deodorant is one. Um, So that's basically just coconut oil, baking soda, and cornstarch. And then you could put essential oils in if you wanted it to have a scent. Um, Now, I think natural deodorants do get a bad rap because they're not necessarily antiperspirants. They're really more um, supposed to make you not smell. <laughs> so you might still be sweating, but you might not smell bad. Um, and some people don't want to feel the um, feeling of being sweaty. Mm-hmm. So that is one thing that you might have to get past if you're going with a natural deodorant. Um, but there are some store-bought ones that are um, a little bit stronger, and I've had some success with too. Um, I also do my own um, facial oil, which is sort of like a moisturizer with um, some like grapeseed oil or rosehip seed oil. There's tons of oils that you can put on your face that are not going to clog your pores. And I think people get scared of putting oil on your face because it sounds, you know, like, well, why would I do that? Um, Because we're so conditioned by all of the Mm -hmm. cosmetic companies that you need to like wash your face with soap and you have to have all these exfoliators and scrubby things. And um, you really don't need all of that because those are actually stripping your face of oils, which means you just have to put more moisturizer on to make up for that. Um, I also do my own dry shampoo, which is super easy. And for makeup remover, I just use olive oil actually. Um, wow. So instead of using like, um, store-bought makeup removers, which, you know, have scents and dyes and probably some not great chemicals, but I don't want to rub on my eyes. I just, um, use olive oil instead and it takes off the makeup really well. Oh, that's cool. Do you just put it on right on or a Kleenex or how do you apply it? Yeah, I, I, um, you can do like a cotton ball or I have these, I sewed these little, um, circle makeup remover pad things. So I just use, use like some flannel. Um, so then I can wash them and reuse them. So that's, that's something I started more recently because I was trying to kind of reduce waste. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that recently, but yeah, you could totally use a cotton ball or toilet paper or even your fingers. I mean, if you just like rub, you know, on your eyes with your fingers and the oil, it'll remove the makeup. I like that. I had, um, with deodorant. So I've been trying for probably about three years. I've tried so many different natural deodorants from stores and I have, um, like, I really don't sweat as much anymore. And I think that sometimes like 
you have to kind of get all that toxic crap out that you've had for how many mm-hmm. years more in regular deodorant. And once I kind of got that out, I really don't sweat as much now as I used to when I wore deodorant, which is, it seems really weird, but it has happened. But I still always smelled with these natural deodorants. So I have mm-hmm. recently tried one. Um, one of my friends had given me a sample of, I'm sure it's probably similar to what you just described with the baking soda. And, um, you know, I think she has some lavender essential oil in hers. But that one actually has worked the best. And it's kind of just like a paste that you have to like put on to your armpits. And yep. that has worked the best out of anything that I've tried. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to try to lean more towards that. But I have some clients who don't even wear deodorant anymore. And they don't even smell, you know, because I'm training them and they're sweating for an hour and yeah. she does not smell. And so she had said it's kind of the same thing. Once she kind of got it out of her system, she really hadn't had any issues. Now with that, hmm. you wouldn't mind me sharing this story because, um, you know, this spreads awareness. So she, her, she actually had severe breast cancer, you know, about 20 years ago now. And the doctors said it probably was caused from her deodorant because the placement that she had for where where the breast cancer started, it would have been where it got clogged from years of wearing deodorant. And she had no mm-hmm. cancer history in her family. And so she kind of was the one who had shared with me that, you know, like five years ago now that I've started training her, you know, all about why she didn't do this. And so I kind of, that seed was planted in my brain, like, wow, if this is something, you know, that, you know, the doctor couldn't for sure confirm, but said, yes, if I had to guess, that would be something I would be looking into is what you're putting on your skin. So that's where I kind of was like, wow, I really need to look into this. If, you know, this is kind of like this hidden thing that, you know, they can't necessarily openly admit, you know, because I'm sure right. there are regulations that they have, but you know, this is something that should be again, brought to people's attention. Yeah. And I think, you know, I feel like that's sort of where, a lot of these natural deodorants have come about recently. It seems like there's just a huge influx of brands selling natural deodorant. But I mean, yeah, I, I know I've heard, I've read articles about the chemicals in store-bought deodorant that are cancer causing, which is really scary, you know, and I don't really want to risk it. So I'm fine with if I sweat a little bit. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, so like in terms of actual brands then, so if people don't have time to make their own, are there any go-to brands that you like? Yeah. Um, so one thing I did want to mention is there's an app called Think Dirty and that's sort of what I use to gauge if, um, I'm willing to buy a store-bought product. Um, it's a rating of zero to 10 and it rates things like the, um, the smell because people can be really sensitive to artificial scents. And it can, um, you know, impact your, your body. Um, so it rates smell, it rates carcinogenic, uh, gosh, how do I say Carcinogenics. <laughs> like, yeah, carcinogenic materials in it. So mm-hmm. believe it or not, store-bought products, um, you know, are sold with like carcinogenic materials mm-hmm. in them, which is really scary to think about mm-hmm. um, because those are cancer-causing materials. Um, and then it rates one other thing that I can't think about the top of my head, but essentially you scan the barcode of the product and it gives you the rating. So for me personally, I'm comfortable using things with a three or less. Um, so a lot of store-bought items do have that rating. Um, it, it, it does seem like even stores like Target are becoming more um, open to the idea of carrying these natural lines. So um, Burt's Bees is one that is generally a three or less, but make sure you scan. Don't take my word for every single product. Um, Tom's of Maine is another one. So they have, you know, deodorant, toothpaste um, at Target. 
Honest Company is another one that they do have some products that are in like the five to six range, but depending on the product, some of them have a zero rating. So that's great. Um, one that I really like that I think Whole Foods carries, but I generally get mine online is called Acure. Mm-hmm. And they have like shampoo, conditioner, baby body wash, lotions, um, pretty much everything that you would put on your skin. And I really like them a lot. I've had great success with their shampoo and conditioner. I use the bubble bath for my kids. Um, they have great scents, which is awesome because sometimes you still just want to have like a nice smelling bubble bath or a good smelling shampoo. And this is very natural um, while still offering that. And then I think Target for carries them now too. Because yeah. I did buy some of that oh. shampoo at Target. Yeah. So you have to Yeah, check that's it. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I know they're on Amazon too and probably Prime. So you could always grab it there. Um, and then for makeup, I actually really like a brand called Juice Beauty. And I I know they're at Ulta, um, but they might be at some other stores too. But actually all of their cosmetics pretty much have a zero rating. So I have a ton of their stuff um, for my, you know, work makeup that I wear every day. And another place that I would recommend people looking is Thrive Market. Um, They have a lot of these more natural brands. It's kind of like a delivery service that you can get a lot of um, like paleo and whole whole 30s foods and also natural and organic skincare products. So that's a good place to look if you're looking for some more natural brands. Yes. And one of the things I always like to tell people too with the, you know, with the brands is sometimes those companies get bought and just because they get bought doesn't always mean they keep their integrity. So just kind of checking in with that mm-hmm. app, you know, cause even though it was safe, you know, maybe last month, you know, just double checking, okay, you know, everything's still safe because I also found out that they don't have to publicly even say that they sold their company. So obviously we know about the whole foods to Amazon and we don't know exactly what that's going to look like in terms of everything yet. But, you know, that was obviously big and in the news. There are some other littler things that happen with some of those smaller brands that we don't always hear about. And so just checking in with it to make sure everything's fine. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I know one I heard of somewhat recently is that Applegate Farms was purchased by Hormel, which does not, not seem to jive like at all. Because, <laughs> I mean, Hormel is, you know, like probably yeah. factory farmed. I, I guess I shouldn't say that because I don't know for sure. But then my dad sells Apple- some eggs there, and it is not—he's not quite factory farm, but um, yeah. I mean, he it yeah yeah. That's not exactly uh, Hormel's not the most trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of people in the you know in the real whole food um, meal area they rely on Applegate Farms because they don't have antibiotics. They have grass-fed hot dogs. Um, And so I was reading through the comments when they announced it and people were basically saying like, I'm, I'm not going to be your customer anymore because I don't trust Hormel, which is kind of sad for the brand um, because they've, they have a really good reputation. So it's, I guess it's to be determined if um, that changes their practices and if they remain the trusted brand that they have been. Mm, that's yeah I hadn't heard that one that's interesting yeah that's that's where you just kind of always have to wait and see and you know like some of it that's the other thing my dad always said because my dad and my brothers are farmers and my brother has you know pretty much grass-fed beef and um, he could sell it as organic and grass-fed because even though it is technically they can say antibiotic free and that whatnot now quick education lesson in case people are wondering 
what I'm talking about. So they can still actually still get shots, even though they say they don't, because there's a certain amount, a number that they have to stay underneath. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's something also just to be like, they probably still have had something. Um, but he says for him financially, it doesn't make sense to sell it organically because he would make less money. So he sells it conventionally. So on the consumer side, you also have to say, well, I'm sure there's probably, he's not the only farmer I'm sure doing that. And so, you know, you might have some, that's where you can kind of have a across the board, different types of meat because some of these farmers are almost organic, but they're not going to be labeled that because they will make more money selling it conventionally. So that's kind of a quick Hmm. consumer update for anyone with, this is in the beef industry anyway. So interesting. Yeah. So I usually always ask my dad and my brothers when I'm home about all of this stuff, just to kind of hear the farmer's perspective, because they're the ones who are in it and, you know, you know, dealing with it and GMOs. And I have all this discussion. I should do a pot. I'll have to do a solo show on some of the things that they've told me, because some of it is really eye-opening and that you don't necessarily know because how, I mean, unless you're the one out there growing it, you wouldn't know. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Actually, my husband's family are dairy farmers. And Mm. when they, um, you know, if a cow is no longer producing the milk, they will slaughter it. And we generally will use their hamburger. And so lately, I've really been uh, questioning if that's the best, you know, hamburger that we should be eating. And so I've been asking my father-in-law, like, do you guys use antibiotics? Do you guys use hormones? Um, What, what do the cows eat? And my husband is, you know, he's not really bought into the whole organic thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, with like milk and meat and stuff like that. And as I've been on my journey, you know, I'm kind of starting to go in that route a little bit more because meat is really something I haven't transitioned to completely grass fed and organic and rain, you know, <laughs> all that stuff, free mm-hmm. range and everything. Um, and it's, it's been kind of a hard sell with my husband because he's coming from the farmer side. So he yep. understands how all of that works yep. and doesn't really buy into all of the marketing that has come around with that kind of um, type of meat and eggs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm always trying to ask a lot of questions without being offensive because obviously they do this for a living yep. and you know, this is how they raise their family and are making a living now. So it's kind of a fine line of, questioning but not just taking their word for it either um because they're the farmer Mm -hmm. no i like that that's yeah i might have to do an episode with my dad now that i'm thinking of this i'm like gosh he would be the one to just ask all of this stuff because my dad actually would probably tell me never to eat a dairy cow because he said that's usually the worst beef (laughs) is a cow that after they've been milked yeah obviously they're not raised and i was like they're not raised to be beef yeah and so i'm like huh i would never even thought of that so i'm like all of those little things where you're like oh well i mean i i don't think i mean i think that we think yes we're having beef or chicken but we don't always really think okay how is this animal raised besides what it says in the package you know right having that deep process you know with whoever it is um it's kind of a nice discussion to have so yeah. Well, and the other thing is that's hard for us is we get that meat for free. Whereas if we had, to, you know, if we didn't eat that meat, then we would have to go out and buy hamburger, which is going to, you know, increase our budget. And maybe that's not something we want to do right now. So it's kind of like, a chick, you know, which one is the better scenario? Eat the beef that might not be great or spend more money. Yep. I totally get that. I mean, but, I'm the same boat. <laughs> We're like, we get our meat for free as well. And yeah. Yep. I 
I hear you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, sometimes it's worth it to pay for the healthier option if you can feel better eating it and, you know, you can be more confident in how it was raised and, you know, that doesn't have antibiotics and that kind of stuff. But then again, how much of that is marketing too? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough. You know, you can't be 100% perfect with this stuff. As much as I try to, you know, feed my family real whole foods all the time, you know, we don't do organic all the time. We, you know, eat dairy cow for our meat. Maybe that's not the best option, but I just try to tell people to do the best you can. Um, maybe you can only afford a few organic things every, every week. And that's fine. As long as, you know, you're still trying to feed your family other vegetables that maybe were conventionally grown um, and you wash them really well. And, you know, you can feel good about doing your best because it's not possible to be perfect. Most people don't have the budget for it or might not have the time. So I think trying and doing some things well is better than um, striving for perfection or just falling back on fast food or convenience food. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because I think then you can get obsessed with everything that you're eating and that's not a road or a road that you necessarily want to go down. So then it's just too yeah. hyper-focused on stuff. So yeah, I mean, just kind of doing what you can and doing the best that you can. I think that's pretty much the happy medium that we can land on. So I think that's a yeah, good place exactly. for anyone to start, you know, whatever, maybe it's deodorant this week or even this month, you're working on trying to find a deodorant. And then maybe next month, maybe you do look, if you are a meat eater, maybe you're looking into where your meat comes from more, you know, just like tackling a big thing, maybe once a month. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been on this journey for over five years and I'm still learning new things and oh, switching yeah. things up and, you know, trying new cooking oils because maybe extra virgin olive oil isn't always the best. And it's just constantly trying things and improving a little bit. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're still going to eat like little Caesars sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> or your donuts. <laughs> yeah. Or donuts. And I yeah. have no shame about it because, yes. you know, I do the best I can the rest of the time. I love it. I know. That's where <laughs> someone had asked me, um, I think it was, I was being interviewed on a podcast and like, what's your guilty pleasure? And I was like, Hmm like uh having a piece of dark chocolate They're like that's it i'm like i don't consider it like a guilty pleasure i'm like if i have like a scone like that's not to me that's not a guilty pleasure that's just me wanting a scone and i don't i don't consider it like guilty for me having that right so that's where i came right. from like a different angle i'm like i don't really have something there where i'm going to feel guilty about eating it you know i'm like i might regret having a whole bag of m&ms later but they taste great while i'm having them <laughs> right exactly i think that's I mean, that's the ideal place to be for, for food. I guess there's this book called Food Freedom Forever by um, Melissa Hartwig, who did the whole, who invented the whole 30. Um, but essentially that's kind of where I feel like I am right now is, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to eat my donut. I know it's not the best thing for me, but I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I'm just going to get back on track the next meal. And, you know, I had my donut and I enjoyed it. And now I'm going to go eat a kale salad and life goes on. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I love it. <laughs> so if people are kind of out there looking to connect with you, where can they find more information about you? Yeah, so you can find me at melissaleaserplanning.com. And that's where I have uh, my blog where I post about real food meal planning, um, whole natural living, um, tips for reducing waste, kind of the whole hippie lifestyle that I lead. <laughs> um, and then I also talk about the services that I offer there. And you can also get the free um, email course at my website too. 
And then on Instagram, I'm at, at Melissa Laser Planning. Perfect. And I will have those in the show notes and the show notes. It's always uh, andreaclawson.com slash podcast and then the podcast number. So I always say show notes, but then I don't always tell people where they're at. So just if you're wondering, yeah. that's where they can be found. <laughs> so, yeah. And my name is spelled kind of weird. Yeah. So you probably want to go check it out if you want to follow me. <laughs> uh, yes. And so finally wrapping up, I like to do a weekly challenge to all the listeners. So when I have guests, I have you guys kind of throw out a weekly challenge. So what would you like the challenge to be this week? Okay, I have two, and hopefully they're not too uh, crazy. I think people could handle two. But yes. the first one would be to download the Think Dirty app and scan the personal care items in your um, medicine cabinet currently, whether that's makeup, lotion, um, face wash, and just kind of educate yourself on what rating that your things get right now, because I think it's going to be really eye-opening if you never really thought about that before. Um, and whether that makes you make a change or not, that's kind of up to you but I think just having the um having acknowledged it and knowing what you could do going forward is is really powerful and then the second one would be to um plan at least two new recipes next week that you haven't tried before so that could be a 20 minute meal it could be an hour-long thing that's very involved and I recommend looking on Pinterest for those recipes because there are tons and tons and tons of great recipes there um, so just try new things. I really try to encourage people to try at least one new recipe a week, but, you know, shoot for the stars and do two next week and see what you think about meal planning and trying new food. Yes, those are great. And I love Pinterest as well. It's kind of my, I train some senior citizens and I tell them like, where do you get your recipes? I'm like, well, Pinterest now it's kind of like my online cookbook. Yes, exactly. And, um, I'm also on Pinterest and have tons of boards related to every type of meal or side dish or whatever. Um, so we can put that in the show notes too. Ooh, perfect. Yes. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a fun talk, Melissa, and I'm excited to get to share, um, you know, just the natural industry, food and body care with people. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. And I just love talking about this stuff. So I'm glad uh, I have a fellow natural person to talk to. <laughs> yes. And she's local. So she's in Minneapolis area as well. So gotta love that. <laughs> yes, I am. Let me know if you want to have coffee or something. I love to chat more. Oh, yes. I, I love <laughs> coffee. So <laughs> game for that. <laughs> All right. So everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.